Welcome back. It's a Dark Purple Podcast. It's episode 8.0, I believe. It is Purple Fox here, Huncho Chuck, and a friendly face that may no one knows from the movie realm, outside the gaming realm, Brian Reeves. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Good, good. So today we're... um, just going to talk about a little bit of movies and, you know, discuss a few things. But I want to wanna pass it over here to Chuck and uh, see how Chuck's doing before we start. I'm swell, man. I'm swell. Waiting for this quarantine to get over just like everybody else is. Get back to a normal life, you know? Staying healthy. Yeah, staying healthy. As always, as always. So, so Brian, we have yes. you here today. We're honored to have you taking the podcast kind of out of the gaming realm more than usual into the movie realm, something that Chuck and I are not quite traversed in or familiar with um, as much as you are. Um, tell us about yourself. Where can we find you on social media? Um, and, you know, tell us a little bit about how you got into movies. Well, thank you for that wonderful intro, Grant. Um, I am just outside Cleveland, Ohio, in Lakewood. Um, I really don't have anything to plug at the moment. I worked on An American Pickle with Seth Rogen. That's going to be coming out in August on HBO Max. Um, but no, right now, I'm uh, mostly just writing some stuff, hoping you know this quarantine's going to lift soon so we can get back to filming some stuff, hopefully by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I got into it in high school. Um, just netflix uh that came on early in the 2010s here right about that same time uh i saw some films like fight club uh there will be blood the shining things like that there were good entry points and then from there just you know continuing to stay curious and expanding and now like earlier today (laughs) before being on here i was watching a french film from the 80s like you know you just always have to keep looking for new inspiration and um I found a lot of it over some time, and hopefully I can share some good suggestions while I'm here. Yeah, of course. I, I, I also would like to mention that Brian and I go back, way back. He's not from, like I said, he's not from the gaming room. He's actually one of my buddies. Brian and I graduated high school together, so we go way back before high school. And I think, I mean, <coughs> we weren't, yeah. um, well, you we weren't friends up until, like, we were friends in high school, but we, we went to, you were elementary you're over at west Enfield, right you're elementary yeah, school I've, with us. i've known you since i was like six yeah i would say we were probably in like 10th or 11th grade we became pretty good friends yeah We've stayed yeah in touch ever since and uh i think it's really cool how you've gotten into gaming and have all these streams up and whatnot and starting to get a little following it's pretty it's, neat it's pretty dope man yeah it's it's a big thanks shout out to the community those uh checking in and listening to the podcast now in uh the the past broadcast if you missed any and this is your first broadcast be sure to check them out they're free on spotify apple Podcasts, stitcher wherever you find your podcast on any platform just be sure you know all the past ones have been on there so you guys can get caught up and uh, up to date with uh all eight episodes so far um so brian you you said you're you got into film from high school and watching um movies and stuff but what really um is there any defining moment that you can say like that's what made you want to pursue film because we what your your one of your degrees was in film correct or filmmaking um so i didn't actually get a degree in filmmaking i've 
studied. I took a couple classes. Studied it. I was going to take it yeah. uh, economics degree. And uh, when I realized it's what I wanted to do, I looked at a, a lot of the major film programs that had like a reading list online, and I've tried to order as many books as possible um, related to that. But no formal degree, I guess you could say. But um, I've kind of had a homemade film school, and I guess that started when I was 16. Um, the Master with Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, God rest his soul. Um, I think it's on Netflix right now. Can we get an elevator but, pitch of what that movie is? Yeah, so it's about Scientology, but they can't say that, so it's just called The Cause. And uh, it takes place in the late 40s, early 50s, like right after World War II. Mm-hmm. And Joaquin Phoenix is this lost World War II veteran, and Philip Seymour Hoffman is the, the founder of Scientology. Uh, it's supposed to be L. Ron Hubbard, and Joaquin Phoenix is just like hypnotized by him, and they form this codependent relationship. And the cinematography, the music, the acting, everything about it is just top notch. And mm-hmm. it's it's kind of out there. It's challenging, but it's rewarding if you put the effort in. And I had never seen anything like that. I didn't know that it was possible for you know movies to ask so many questions and it was it just blew my mind and from that moment on i realized like that's what i wanted to do for the rest of my life i I feel you i feel you i mean that's i think that when it comes to any kind of hobby whether it is gaming or film or any any kind of hobby that you get into later in life as like a, a career eventually you know or or others like you know kind of like we said we game as a hobby but like you know there's there's still the same like avenue i always like to hear like what was the turning point what was that spark that kind of lit the fire under your ass you know mm-hmm. absolutely and then and then after that it, there was a number of years where it was you know i was saying that i wanted to be a filmmaker but i wasn't ready to put the work in in that front but I also needed that time to dig deeper into all of the films that are out there and trying to come up with the voice of, you know, what I like and what I want to make. Mm-hmm. And um, that comes with time, too, and I think I'm still still figuring that out. But um, it's a journey. I, I think I'm further along in it than I actually am. Uh, but that just means that there's so much more for me to still do, and I love it. Of course. Of course. So... Chuck yourself. Let's 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 get you in here. What what do you know about movies? I I watch them. That's what I you know watch about them? them. I watch them. I don't think anything about production. Like I don't think about any of that. I just watch it to enjoy it. So uh, I don't so, go behind the scenes and dig in deeper. Mm-hmm. So Chuck, let me ask you this: Like, do you are you big into movies? Or are you bigger into like TV shows? Um, in like a series of you know obviously like episodes and such because that's such uh, a big thing now is I think that I mean I don't know I'm personally more into shows than I am movies now. Mm-hmm. It, it it really depends, man. Like uh, I'm a huge Marvel universe guy. I love those movies. I'll sit down and watch one anytime. But then there's also series that I like to watch, and like I got to be in a mood to watch a movie. But like if I'm just laying down sitting around, I can turn on a TV series and watch four or five episodes sure easy like so it just depends really but i do love superhero movies i love comedies uh hate 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 scary movies don't even scary movies oh i hate them don't yeah i used to be that way but i love them now yeah well yeah 
yeah good for you man i'm glad you could sit in the movie theater wherever you're at and watch a scary movie like fuck that when i went to see uh hereditary it was uh my buddy doug and i and there were two couples there and there's a twist about 30 minutes and i'm not going to give it away but at that point uh the one girl started crying and both couples left and it was just me and Doug. <laughs> An hour and a half, I was sitting there, shitting bricks. Like, oh man, what a crazy movie. Um, I did what was it called? Hereditary. I've never heard of it. Yeah. It's like the, the Exorcist. Oh I'm fuck that! I don't like, do that. I don't do Exorcist I, shit. Personally, I, like I thought it was like creepier than the Exorcist. Like I tried to watch it a second time, and like twenty minutes in, I had to shut it off. Like I could feel the hair on my skin. Bro, I, 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 I like, stupid. It's not like jump scares or anything. Like I was like, this is just straight up evil. So yeah, <laughs> but very well made. I mean, very effective. If that's yeah, very effective. <laughs> I don't know if that's the best way to spend an evening after a long day at work, but. <laughs> that's funny so uh, so i asked so chuck i asked you if you're in a tv series or or movies you know and you said you're kind of a little bit of both you know brian if you had the choice if you had the opportunity to say you know you're given a budget of whatever you need make me something are you going to make a film or are you going to make a tv series i mean i think nowadays i'd make a tv series um you look as recently as 20 30 years ago uh the american film industry had a nice mid-budget area for challenging films that you know had an artistic vision to them um that's gone it's mostly just the superhero movies which can be done right and can be done well Mm -hmm. um or just real low budget indies um but tv is really taking a a stronghold in the industry and uh, a lot of more exciting stuff's going over uh over there so um more time to develop your characters more space to explore different subplots um that's where i'd head now mm-hmm. now would you say that uh tv series are boosting because of netflix hulu whatever streaming service it is yeah i mean partially like i think that those are the places that are producing the most series, at least the most widely seen series, because um, of so many subscribers. But uh, they tend to dump all their episodes at once. Well, Hulu doesn't, but Netflix does. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of taken away the mystery of, like, I watch uh, a ton of shows on actual television. Right now, I'm uh, billion season fives on Showtime. I, I love it. I'm hooked to it. Um that's one episode a week and it keeps you coming back and you know that allows tv critics and film critics to write articles about it and there's a fandom behind it you know speculation what's going to go on meanwhile netflix you can just write into the next episode and there's no mystery you can watch a whole series in a day if it's a half hour comedy or something like that but so but so that's you a... like the cliffhanger okay mm-hmm. uh, you want to be you want to be held there if you're going to split it into into episodes, you might as well use the form to your advantage. That's the way I look at it. Gotcha. See, I see it as like me as a consumer outside of it. You know, I I don't I one I give you an example. I stopped watching The Walking Dead because I I 
I don't I don't want to be left on a cliffhanger. I, like one week after another, it's like mm-hmm. it gets tiring. Like I don't want to be left on a cliffhanger after watching what like six seasons of it straight. I I literally stopped watching it until they put the season seven out on. I think it was Netflix or whatever. I don't even watch it well, now. I mean, I think it was the the phrase "jumping the shark" from Happy Days. Um, <laughs> Fonzie jumps over the shark while skiing. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of applies to The Walking Dead. I don't know if that was because of uh, the cliffhangers or because they were kind of just you know spinning their wheels after a certain mm-hmm. period of time. But um, yeah, I think that. Uh, it can be done right both ways. I mean, there are some shows that take billions, for example. You know, uh, I got into that show late. I watched the first two seasons in three days on on demand, <laughs> and then <laughs> seasons three, four, and five I've watched like one week at a time. And I I prefer the traditional model because I mean it's what I grew up with. But at the same time, having all of that entertainment at my fingertips is, isn't bad either. And I mm-hmm. think for a lot of people there's so much out there that it would be good if people were more curious because uh you know there's there's a lot more interesting stuff out there than what gets routinely discussed and Mm -hmm. since we have so much at our fingertips that other generations haven't had uh we might as well make the most of it so i look at it so let me let me let me let me spitball here a little bit. I uh, I haven't actually I don't think we I didn't discuss this yet. I just actually thought of it, but it's kind of along the lines of, um you know Netflix being able to binge watch things on like a a streaming platform. What about YouTube? YouTube is the second largest search engine behind Google, and Google owns YouTube or has it. You know, and, and going on YouTube, I mean, this is really big in the gaming world. I mean, if you're gaming, if you're a streamer, if you're a content creator in the gaming world. Like you got to you got to be on YouTube. It's simply it is a must because that's where you, that's what you can get the most discovered being on YouTube and bring them to your stream because on other these other platforms like where we stream on I stream on Twitch, there's not very good discoverability. So unless you have thousands and thousands of viewers at a time and you're already big, that you're going to get your own that's the only people getting endorsed, you know? Like I'm not going to be on the front page of this um saying hey come to my come to Purple Fox's stream because I got an average of 5 viewers instead of 15 thousand you know what i mean so you know trying to go to youtube is a big outlet for gamers and people like such as myself trying to explore and expand the community and reach new people and you bring them into the you know come watch my channel you know but along those lines is you know i I catch myself on youtube binge watching stuff binge watching people's channels and every video almost like it's a tv show you know like Mm -hmm. regarding to a game i'm I'm watching a guy now it's um he runs the apex university and that's a game that we play and it's like this educational youtube um channel that talks about different things to develop your game and get better at things basically Mm -hmm. like a show one episode at a time how to build yourself just obviously as educational and it's on youtube you know what's your what's your thoughts about this kind of youtube setting i guess i mean i've fallen down the rabbit hole on youtube plenty of times uh like, I mean, like, you're interested in gaming, I usually watch a bunch of movie stuff, uh, directors talking about their craft, behind-the-scenes footage, uh, analyzing films, things like that. Um, but in terms of content creation, original content, uh, it's kind of changed the game. Uh, 
and it's taken a bit longer because I remember it first coming on in like 06, 07, but um, only in the last, I would say, five years is it really, um, I mean, gaming has always been big on it, but in terms of um, short form content, mm-hmm. uh, that's only recent. Uh, I'm not talking like TikTok uh, or TikTok's kind of what Vine used to be, the little six second, you know, yeah. snippet. It just constantly reinvents itself. But mm-hmm. um, I look at Issa Rae um, with the show Insecure on HBO. Um, she had a YouTube uh, short form episodes, and uh, producers liked what they saw, and that turned into a television show. And uh, a number of creators I'm close with and I, we were working on a, a little web series idea um, we were going to shoot at the start of next year, but because of the quarantine and if there's a second wave or who knows what, mm-hmm. uh, we're kind of just playing it by ear. But sure. that's kind of the route that we were thinking of as well, because it's a way that um, you can create something with uh, minimal capital investment because it costs so much money to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Like even just the insurance on a movie is, <laughs> you know, uh, just absurd. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a way to make something affordable, get it out there, have a lot of people see it, have it be readily available, and mm-hmm. um, between that and then a good uh, Twitter presence or whatnot, Instagram, I've seen people parlay that into writers' room mm-hmm. jobs. Um, you know, it's it's a great avenue, and I mean for gaming, uh, what was it? The one guy I can't remember his name. He got a. I saw he got a uh, exclusive deal with YouTube for like ten million dollars. Uh, courage. Yeah, just just an, an enormous amount of money, and mm-hmm. it's uh, I mean, it makes sense though. It's good to see the content creators who are putting their stuff online are you know able to monetize what they're putting out there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's only right because I mean that that does require talent and creativity. Well, th- that's the big thing is is that I, I, I um. You know, I know how you've been. You've made the short film and 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 the things along those lines. You know, the the one thing about that people I think miss in streaming um, live content, making a YouTube video in the gaming world is what I'm referring to. Like, there's a whole production set behind it. Like, I mean, I mm-hmm. mine's very minimal. I have I have my mic. I have a little ring light. I got my webcam. I have my my stuff set up to my computer from my Xbox to my computer, my computer back to my Xbox, and everything mm-hmm. else in between. But you know, it's its own little studio to broadcast something. It's its own show, and you know that's just on a minimal standpoint. Where for me. Whereas you got these big streamers, like you mentioned, Courage, he was a huge streamer on Twitch and his platform I have. He got paid, he signed a contract, and now he streams exclusively on YouTube. Um, and that's the thing. These guys are in full-blown recording studios where I'm talking yeah. they got – I mean, it's audio-proofed. It's meant – like, it's just everything is exclusively meant to stream, and it's the top-notch stuff. And it's all in regards to per- – looking better and more presentable on the screen mm-hmm. or while you're live streaming while you're broadcasting while you're doing the show and it's essentially very similar to i'm thinking to what it would be to cast a show or, or you know um film a show in the regards to the actual technology mm-hmm. that goes around it do you know what i mean um, what do you somewhat. think yeah i mean it, it depends like for uh if you wanted to do like a, a visual radio play or something that would mm-hmm. require a similar setup, 
Um, in that case, it might be similar, but for film, um, <laughs> there's so many people. Uh, you need someone for the lighting. You need someone for the makeup. You need someone for uh, the sound. True. Someone for the camera. Um, usually, on I mean, on the, the professional film sets I've been on, there's typically been, at minimum, like 30 or 40 people on set, and that doesn't include dozen two dozen people back at the production office um it, it, there's a lot that goes into uh <laughs> what you see um mm-hmm. it's so interesting just like even the most basic things about a film shoot like um a lot of things don't shoot their scenes in order and that requires uh, the actors to kind of guess where their characters are at emotionally at that point in the film and mm-hmm. jump around that's kind of a challenge but um yeah, um, so a lot that goes into any small production for sure. So let's let me let me ask you this. Take it to just the again the movie standpoint. Now outside of gaming, is you talked about um, uh, you said an actor now being and they shoot it out of segment and they're trying to you know the emotional part of it and trying to portray as an actor the emotions that are going on within that you know mm-hmm. set. Um, have you know you've always been wanting to talk to, about directing films has acting ever been a an avenue that you've looked into no, no. <laughs> not for me I, I it's good that i stayed behind the camera or i write the the dialogue um yeah you and ron jeremy <laughs> <laughs> ron jeremy was great in front of the camera that's how he made his yeah, money yeah. <laughs> but uh, you never know if things don't work out as a director that that might be a route as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's um, but no, potentially. I mean, I've had different actors that I've worked with say I I should go for it. I mean, I do have a very distinctive look and mm-hmm. voice, and I wouldn't say it's leading man, but it definitely you know mm. the the cool friend or <laughs> sure the, yeah like newman from seinfeld yeah 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 <laughs> we could probably pull that off yeah that's funny so chuck what about you you ever thought about taking an acting career not a chance no <laughs> not a chance i think i think you could pull it off i i appreciate that i really do but not a chance <laughs> What about you, Grant? How come you've never been on I am, stage? Or I am an actor. I, I do live streams every single day of the yeah, week. Yeah, he's that fat guy. I'm that fat guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got I'm fat right guy that streams. <laughs> quarantine's getting to me. Yeah. Dude, I did a workout today with uh, Ariel. Well, I did a workout, and then I went for a walk with Ariel. And yesterday, we did a workout together, and we were doing like little sprints in the back. Ariel <laughs> doesn't know how to run. She's she's like a she's a dancer, and so like I'm trying I'm literally trying to teach Ariel how to run because I'm embarrassed to run with her because she doesn't know how to run. She looks like an idiot. <laughs> well, she did. She we taught her yesterday. She looks great now. Her form is phenomenal. But I was trying to run and I'm so out of shape, dude. I went to do a sprint and I rolled my damn ankle. I went on a walk today and almost collapsed because my ankle rolled again, dude. Like that's oh, how fat I'm getting now. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was good until I quit smoking cigarettes, and then I just put on a ton of weight, and yeah. now, like, 
see, whenever I run, like, I get up and I'll go before work, like, 5.30 or 6 in the morning. Oh, like, when everybody else is asleep, like, Ew. you know, like, <laughs> I, I tr- it's like, you know what, like, I'll keep my fat ass running in the dark, like. <laughs> no one will see me. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Stay um, down until you come up. That's, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I quarantine. I mean, it just need. It, quarantine's great, and it it's like great in certain ways, and then it's like awful in the other way. There's not like a medium. Yeah. Oh, I'm loving working from home, and like me too. I understand that there's a lot of people that don't have that opportunity, and I think we should try to get as many of them back to work as possible, but. For the people that can work from home, I think we should stay here for as long as we possibly can. I was listening to Spotify, and I did. It's like a daily drive. It's like the thing that Spotify will put together for you. It gives you like these little 15-minute like short podcasts, and then it makes some music up in it and stuff. And I can't remember what the podcast I was listening to, but it was just a little blurb of when I was working out, and they were talking about how some banks i think it might have been jp morgan they mentioned maybe or wells fargo one of the two they're putting employees that went home you know are working from home now that weren't working from home before they're making Mm -hmm. them permanent they're putting in action now that they're limiting people that are coming back i mean businesses are realizing now why pay for people to travel to work to do their work from yeah the office when they can just do it from home on any time that they want and probably get the work done more efficiently because people are just trying to get their shit done and get out of there but instead of having to sit in an office for eight hours because you get paid for eight hours of the day you know what i mean i mean for for a floor and like a really nice uh commercial real estate building you're looking at probably half a million or a million dollars a year rent mm-hmm. easy depending on where you're at i mean at least in downtown cleveland um i know the <laughs> the place where i work it's significantly more than that even mm-hmm. but um you imagine that for a national company yeah and all the different little offices and whatnot and then the electric bill and everything and everybody paying for gas for commuting and whatnot it's just it doesn't make sense i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> for the environment for the company for the employees let's Everyone just hang home and yeah. just make sure that we got this thing completely under control. And then people want to go back. I mean, I think just for the social part of it, I mean, that this should be, you know, there should be an option to work there. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot Definitely. of people don't feel safe and they should be able to, if they can work from home, they should be able to stay there. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think like I've been enjoyed myself working from home i'm much more efficient when it comes to like my actual administrative work that i have to do so like my Mm -hmm. job requires me to be at work like to work within the lab to do our molecular studies like so i'm sure that when things get back to normal what i'm kind of hoping will happen is is like on certain days that maybe we're not doing an experiment or i don't have to be there um specifically that day for something that i need to do you know like just hang back, hang at home, do some administrative work. Yeah. Like that's going to be like the thing that's acceptable now within the workspace. See, my work has no teammates whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's completely individualized and I was less productive whenever I was there. Cause I would just be shooting the shit with my yeah. coworkers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just here. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's get, let's bring this back a little bit to the movies. Um, sure. 
let's let's just let's just go into the top three movies. Let's start with Chuck though, because Reeves, you're gonna give us I uh, want explanations for everything. Mm -hmm. I need the deets. So Chuck, what's okay. your start at number three and work your way up? What's your top three movies and what makes them your top three movies? All right, number three, I'm going with the Little Giants. Little Giants. Classic. Heck yeah, dude. I grew up watching that. It's just got so much nostalgia. It's such a good movie. It's sports. Uh, it's just number three. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Number two, I'm going to go with Batman, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. With uh... The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. See, I think Batman Returns uh, with... Uh, Danny DeVito as the Penguin. I think that's the best superhero movie I've ever seen. Best yeah. superhero movie. Yeah. You're that's going all superheroes. Opinion. You're going all super. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. But like Batman doesn't even like say anything until like 45 minutes into the movie. Like that's right. Tim Burton. Like just totally not giving a shit what <laughs> what the studio wanted. Like it's just so unique. That, that that's why I like it. But Dark Knight Rises was filmed in Pittsburgh. Great film. Yep. I work at the building that Bat it was filmed at. Batman's always been my favorite superhero since I was like five years old. So I have yet ah. to see a bad Batman movie as far as I'm concerned. That's true. Well, except Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does an all right job. It's just nothing compared to uh, Bale. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Nothing. I'm excited. With... Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm excited to see this Robert Pattinson because he's done a lot of really interesting work. See, I would always, I never took him seriously after Twilight, but um, I mean, he's done interesting stuff like The Lighthouse and Cosmopolis, and I think he should have won the Oscar for Good Time about three years ago. So um, I have faith he's going to be able to pull it off. Say, I, I, me too. I, I really hope he can pick up like and just run with it and mm -hmm. do a good job. But what I was gonna say is, in the trilogy with Bale, they ended it with Robin and that new hideout, and it, that is the. I I, I I don't even know what to say about it. It's still leading me on. What like they could have done so much with that. Yeah, I mean, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt's a great actor that you really don't see enough of anymore, and it would have been cool to see him as Robin. I wish they would have explored that a little deeper. Yeah, yeah. why introduce us to Robin and then just <laughs> say, no more, we're taking it away, ha-ha. Like, yeah. that's a giant fuck you to us. <laughs> yeah. like, God damn. Anyways, number one movie. Oh. Okay, go. but number one movie, another superhero movie, is Avengers Infinity War. That was a good one. Love it. Love it. Love it. Endgame's up there too, but Infinity Wars was just like being left off. You talk about a cliffhanger. Being left off in Infinity War going into Endgame is just ridiculous. I like and I had to wait a year or something for that. Like hmm. mm. Yeah, I mean, I I know a lot of my friends love the Avengers movies, and I think there's, uh, I mean, there's so many people that work on them. There's a considerable amount of talent that goes into it. I just, they always leave me at arm's length for some reason. I don't know why. I just, I'm I'm a traditionalist. I, uh, 
I didn't think they were that great. Like, unpopular opinion. It, it's all good. I mean, man. I look at something like, like you know, like Apocalypse Now. Like, uh-huh. as, as Coppola said, like back then, whenever you wanted to do something interesting, like you had to actually do something interesting rather than like creating it on computers or whatnot. And it's cool because, like, that's allowed us to explore so many different things visually that, like, you'd never be able to do in real mm-hmm. life. Um, but, um, it's kind of the uncanny valley at that point. You know, you're not quite, doesn't quite feel true to life, but at the same time, it's it's like a heightened version of life. So, sure. It, it all depends on what you're looking for out of, out of cinema, and I, I respect that they're very well made. Um, I just, for some reason, I, I don't know why. Thor Ragnarok, though, that's, that's a fun movie. I really <laughs> yeah, like that. that's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It has some real feeling in it, for sure. So, Reeves. Right. Let's oh, bring it. Okay, yeah. Oh, I got you, uh, Fox. Oh, okay. Um, Top three, right now. Come all on. Right, number three, Blow with Johnny Depp, and the reason why okay. is is because if I was, if I never graduated college, I was slinging dope. As simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> he was my idol. <laughs> That's the only reason. I can to... never see you actually living that life. Like, well. Maybe, maybe, maybe like not back in the day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> pushing dope like that. Yeah. Uh, you gotta start somewhere, man. You never know, right? But luckily, I didn't. I didn't take that path in my in my life journey. So we're good so far. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would never expected the neuroscience route. Yeah. I, we we've talked about this before. I don't know anybody that would have expected that, but no, I, dude, I, I didn't know. even expect it. <laughs> Um, so number two is Save It Private Ryan. I I just remember watching it back like when I was real little, and it is just a movie that has always encapsulated me with the. What, it was in like two thousand. What did, when did it come out? Two thousand three, two thousand four, ninety eight. It came out in ninety eight. Mhm. Okay, it, it's just gonna prove my point even more. The cinematic like the the effects that it had like the the whole like just blood and guts and war feeling that it had mm-hmm. compared to any other movie even now i mean there's band of brothers in the pacific which is great series of shows that kind of fall yeah. in line with that but as a movie i mean that that movie just i mean it just it just it gives me chills when i watch it i think it was um, the actors were great in it. I don't know any of the actors by name other than what Tom Hanks, I think. Yeah, Tom Hanks, is Matt Damon. Teacher. Matt Damon, yeah, I didn't remember Matt Damon. Yeah. Um, I mean, they just, it was a great, it was an all around great story to it, you know, trying to find uh, the one brother, um, which kind of set home with kind of like where, with my family. You know, I always thought about like, I mean, both my brothers in the military, but beforehand, before mm-hmm. they went to the military, like, it was three brothers and like I have two younger brothers and then myself and you know if we were born in 1945 you know all three of us would probably be going to war you know that's just is kind of like how that mm-hmm. um you know how things were back then in the society so you know putting us in a different shoes it kind of related to me in in that sense and that's kind of why I always like drew to it I love Save a Private Ryan it's always on around the holidays on TV so I always find time to uh to watch it and mm-hmm. my number one favorite movie is Gladiator with Russell Crowe. Um, that movie is the only movie that has ever draw the strings on my heart more than any other movie. Like it just it makes me so Great emotional. Bet. The 
the the song at the very end that when he's you know dying after he kills um the the emperor i can't remember his name i haven't watched it in a little while actually that's the same the guy who plays the emperor is the lead dude and the the master the oh yeah 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 you're right Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this the the very the very last scene um of him, you know, walking through the the field, finally getting to see his family after all the, you know, turmoil that he's went through um and the hardships that he's got to that point to to finally you know, unfortunately come to his death and then you know, finally getting able to see his family and then um what really gets me at the very end as well is um when he was, I guess, a, a gladiator, but he was kind of like enslaved at that time. He met that um, the the black guy. I don't remember the black guy's name, um, but at the very end, the black guy takes the little figures of him and his family that he used to carry on him whenever he was in battle, and um, he buried them and so looked up to the sky and um, said, "I'll see you one day, my friend." And it was very cinematic and very touching. And like right now, like I got chills. Just thinking about it, like it just that movie does something to me emotionally on my heart. It pulls my strings, and so that's why Gladiator by with Russell Crowe is my number one movie on my that, of my favorites. That, that movie, I was reading articles. It came out twenty years ago last week. Can you believe yeah, that? it's crazy, bro. That's crazy. crazy. But like how you were talking about Saving Private Ryan, a great film, but it was so good. There's another really fantastic war film that came out in 98 same year nominated mm. best picture for the oscar same year uh the thin red line from terrence malick mm-hmm. um stacked cast sean penn um then a lot of smaller appearances from everyone from george clooney adrian brody uh, john travolta woody harrelson mm-hmm. um but a very soulful film where uh Saving Private Ryan is a lot more intense with, mm-hmm. the, with the action, but uh, they really complement each other very well. What was it called? Um, the Thin Red Line. Thin Red Line. I never heard of it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I got that on DVD. Next time I'm in town, I'll bring that. Up. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> Real quick, before we get to your top three, Brian, have you seen 1917? I heard it was a World War One movie that just came out. Um, I heard I it was fantastic. I mean, I... <laughs> See, I, I hate to sound negative about a lot of these films. I just, I've seen so many good films. I just, I think that's one that technically was very well done, but it mm-hmm. was a gimmick in search of a, a narrative. Um, the story didn't really engage me at all. But gotcha. The whole one, it's, it's edited to look like it was just one continuous take or or two mm-hmm. continuous shots. But um, I think a lot of the sets like with the lighting and some of the effects like they did a great job in that regard but it just it left me at arm's length like a lot of these technical movies do these days gotcha but uh Path to Glory by Stanley Kubrick uh, one of his first films from uh, 1957 Kirk Douglas uh that's also World War One film down in the trenches and mm-hmm. uh significantly better film um, it's about a, a general who, uh, from above him in the ranks in the French army, uh, even though it's in English, um, they order um, him to lead his men into a massacre, and he refuses to do it. Mm. So um, they 
choose like three men from his platoon at random to to uh, try and execute as cowards because they're not going in there into a real. Um, you're seeing the unethical thing is what's going to happen, but that's because you know what happens when morals and power aren't aligned. And but it's real, real fantastic film. The war scenes are look like you're actually there in the trenches. Gotcha. Interesting. All right. Well, it's time. Top three. What are they, Brian, and why? Um, number three, I would have to say Taxi Driver. Uh, Martin Scorsese's made so many great films over the years. Um, Raging Bull, The Departed, Goodfellas is probably number two for me. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street's up there as well. Ooh, Wolf of Taxi Wall Street, Driver, great movie. Just the original. Um. For its time, it was just so radical. Uh, Robert De Niro's performance is just so committed. Um, just a really daring film. Um, Bernard Herrmann's score, I listen to that while I'm writing all the time. Um, I love it. All um, Number two would have to say Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee. Um, that's a film with character, um, with a point of view. Um, there's just so much... Uh, so much excitement in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I, I believe that people um, who really watch a lot of films and get into that stuff, their aesthetic, like what they're into, it's formed at a very young age. Like I watched a lot of music videos as a, as a kid growing up. And late 90s, early 2000s music videos are very hyper-realism, uh, very stylized. And I think that's what I look for in a lot of films too. Mm-hmm and do the right thing kind of set the tone for the next 10 15 years for that mm-hmm. and um number one i would have to call it a tie um so the best film that i've ever seen i think is sunset boulevard um billy wilder could write a script like no other mm-hmm. um that was on netflix a while back i'm not sure if it's still there but it's a classic for a reason um mm-hmm. I think it's still the best script ever written to this day. But the film that I've watched the most, so I guess I would call it my favorite, has to be The Big Lebowski. Just a the fun Big film. Lebowski. Yeah, I've probably seen that movie north of thirty times. I can quote scenes oh. from it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bridges is the dude. Uh, John Goodman as Walter. It's just you know a lot of my friends and I quote it back and forth to each other. It's mm-hmm. just a great movie. So let's let me let's ask you this too. I guess what's your favorite scene that you can, you know, that you can think of from any movie? Not the big, not the big Lazowski, but just in general, your favorite scene. Oh wow, that's <laughs> that's a holy shit. Um, I gotta really think about that one. Give me a second here. Chuck, can you think of one? Yeah, Chuck, a you scene? might just a scene. A scene. Yeah. Like like you my favorite have one? Yeah, like my favorite scene is Gladiator. Like that end that end scene, that last little bit of him doing having the fight and then, then you know, the resolution of him finally seeing his family and then the closure with, you know, um his his friend burying the the his family's dolls, I guess you could say, or a mod, um toys, I guess you could say, in the dirt and saying you know, saying, I'll see you again. Like that's like that scene again it's emotional for me so it's like that's my that's my favorite scene i would say yeah i mean 
I'd have to say the end of Sunset Boulevard and the end of Taxi Driver would be why I put them in my top three. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to think really long and really hard to pick a favorite scene. I mean, I've seen north of 2,000 movies, so yeah. it's hard to pick just one scene. Um, I know a, a really fantastic scene from a, a recent film is Parasite, the one best picture at the Oscars. Um, there's a scene in the middle of it, and I can't explain it without giving away a lot from the movie but there's like a 25 minute sequence that is just it's like clockwork just one shot one line of dialogue one sound effect one plot development just leading into the next and Mm -hmm. it just it feels so natural but it just keeps heightening and adding more and more and more and more and uh, that's fantastic you have to see it it's on hulu now gotcha we'll have to check it out Chuck, can you think of anyone? Uh, dude, anything? I, I love the fighting scenes in Avengers. Uh, that's that's about that's it. Yeah, that's where I'm at, man. <laughs> I, just, I can't really come up There's with like, nothing a wrong scene with right that. now. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Fair enough. So we're getting towards the end. Um, Brian, is there anything else in regards to movies that you want to discuss? Um, nothing in particular. I would just say, uh, for people that have HBO, uh, Bad Education, it's a new movie that came on there about two weeks ago. It's the best Hugh Jackman performance I've ever seen. Um, highly recommended. Um, other than that, thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on, my dude. Yeah. I appreciate it. I mean, yeah, it's, man. it's been a, been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, and it's it's. Um, I think this is gonna be a good one for for those listening. I hope you guys have enjoyed so far. Um, like I said, we took it out of the gaming realm, brought it into the movie realm. I wanted to bring one of my close friends from home, um, since he's so uh, you know adequate with movies, as you can tell. I mean, he could just rattle shit off like no, no one that I've ever met about movies and stuff, you know. So it's it's. I think this is a good um, addition to the podcast and uh thank you for for coming brian thank you for uh sharing your knowledge and your wisdom in film and in movies and everything else that you came along with today thanks for having me guys take care take care yeah, you too, man so we're going to wrap it up right now I, I think brian is going to step out he we had to cut it um he's got a some obligations that he's going to get to. So Chuck and I are going to step into the apex realm back into gaming. Um, season five, Chuck, tell me about it. Season five of what? Apex legends. Yeah. Apex baby. Um, I'm loving it so far. I mean, when it first dropped, there was all those bugs, but they fixed it relatively quick. Uh, there's still the bugs with false hit markers. You can hear a little buzzing in your headphones sometimes. So there's still some bugs that the season brought, but all in all, I'm loving it so far. Yeah, I I think it's been an absolute blast. I think um I'll let Chuck take it here with Loba. I think Loba's a pretty pretty sweet fucking character addition. They um they they really did themselves well with her. They didn't just make it a cinematic trailer to make the character look cool like Revenant. Loba's actually legit. Um Chuck has been playing her a lot more. So Chuck, why don't you tell us about Loba and what makes loba so appealing to you minus being her just being a sexy badass 
<laughs> yeah, physically, they did a great job with her. Uh, the skins are lacking, I will say that. But Loba is just a badass. I love the teleporting. Uh, it's just instant. You can cover a good amount of ground in very quick time without getting uh, shots. Like the other day, I teleported end game underneath the building oh. while you almost got killed just Bro. trying to run there yeah or or when we were dude what, what really gets me is i just wasn't you got behind him dude tell him tell him why you fell in love with loba <laughs> okay so uh we were playing i forget where it was it was on the side of the map uh there was a trench in between us we we're in a building they have high ground they're on a hill and uh the circles behind them so we got to get moving to them it's just us and them and uh, it's just Fox and I live. Hey, it's 3v2. Fox is playing, yep, Fox is playing crypto. We're hiding in the building, and I just yeeted my bracelet, and I got down in the trench, and they didn't see me, and they were all focused on Fox. And I got up behind them, and I got behind them, and knocked two of them. And I got knocked by the third one because it's a lifeline with gold, and you just fucked them. And Fox is just like, I can't do it, dude. I can't do it. Dude. I tried to He's slide jump, but I couldn't trench. make it. He's just running along the trench as I'm watching this lifeline get the two knocks rezzed up. And, mm -hmm. and just I'm just, fuck, 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 fuck. Yep. That's all yep. I was saying in my head. Yep. So, but that moment, being able to teleport behind them, get position behind them, it was great. Like, I couldn't have done that with Wraith. I couldn't mm -hmm. have done that with Pathfinder. Mm -mm. Like, they would have seen me. Mm -hmm. Somehow they didn't see the trail of the bracelet being tossed, but... <sighs> See, that's it the works. thing. I mean, uh, there's a lot of times that I've seen Loba in general try to push behind us, and I see her thing, and dude, I, she's got that, like, what, one or one second or it's two quick, seconds? Yeah, she's got to stand up and put the bracelet I on I will fucking laser someone standing mm -hmm. there doing that. I mean, anyone would. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I've done it. I can at least say at least three times to four times I can just picture in my head right now. They've a Loba's done it, landing, yep. and I've just waited for them to land and pop up, and there's Loba and just get lasered, bro. And like I almost feel right. bad, but like, <laughs> you know, fuck that guy. No, I, 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 I get it, and that's just coming in part with her just dropping and people not knowing how to use her yet. Mm -hmm. Nobody really knew what the teleport was gonna consist. So that's of. the big like, thing I like with Loba is she's bringing this new meta into the game. She's bringing this new form of. You gotta watch your ass because yep. you know she's gonna be there. Yep. yep, and like like you and I were discussing the other day playing, uh, it's not a get out of jail free card like Wraith mm -hmm. is. Like as soon as you hit uh Wraith's uh ability, she you can't hit her. You can't touch her with a bullet, you can't do anything to her. She just gets to run wherever she wants to run. Yeah, full disclaimer but, to anyone that hasn't played Loba yet and don't make the mistake like I did is using Loba to be as a get-out-of-free card because it's not. <laughs> you run up and you push and you get a couple shots on them and then you're down to 150 mm -hmm. and you yeet the bracelet and you're just standing there waiting for it to land. Mm -hmm. And you just get lasered. Yeah, you get tapped for that last little bit of health you have. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to really know how to push with it if you're going to push with it. Uh, it's more for just getting position on people that's huge. Mm -hmm. Being able to get height, being able to just snap your fingers and be there like i can go from if you're in swamps i can go from being 
uh, in the swamp. And if it's the end game's on a building, I can toss it up there, and then instantly I'm on the roof. So that's the huge thing that is going to be such an advantage to her, uh, her herself, especially in like a ranked game where things are very tricky. I mean, in 1v1s at the very end, high ground is key. When it comes to the last yeah. two circles, I mean, high ground is so key. Whereas, I mean, you play 9 out of 10 games, if you have high ground, you're winning that if it's a 1v1 you know, right. simple as that. Right. You know, no third party in. You have yeah. the high ground. It's, and it doesn't matter about skill. As long as you know you hit, you're a decent player and hit your shots. You're still gonna kill the the uh, the predator. You know, like it just is based off of game mechanics. And with her having that, is so key. It is. It really is. And it's not like Pathfinder. He got nerfed. His grapple went from 15 to 35. But the difference, the huge difference between Pathfinder and Loba is just Pathfinder. When he grapples, you can still hit him. Mm -hmm. So, you, yep. and you like with Loba, as soon as that bracelet lands, or as soon as you know where you're going to land and just hit your uh, whatever button it is for you, if you're on keyboard controller, like on controller, it's RT, mm -hmm. it just places you right there. You don't have to wait for it to go all the way. Mm -hmm. So, and you can't get touched during that time. I mean, yeah, you're standing there like a fucking just, I don't even know. You're just ready to get shot while you're throwing the thing. But if you can be quick with it and use it right, mm -hmm. you, it's unmatched. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I think she's going to be very beneficial. Um, I mean, we used her black market several times. Oh, yeah. I throw um, that thing down. Again, end game. She's an end game character, and and I think in most cases she's gonna be very very valuable in end game because of her black market and being able to shield swap end game instead of having to travel out in the open and grab that box to shield swap. Yeah, I can put the staff or down. grab or just or just grab the mm -hmm. extra shield to have. You drop your shield in a building, nice and safe, comfy, stay home, no coronavirus, and then you switch <laughs> your and then you switch your shields with the black market. I agree, and I, I'm gonna counter you and say that we use Loba for uh, off rip too, because we'll land at uh, Agreed. wherever, and I'll put my staff down real quick after we get guns up there, and then get the two things we need, and then we'll just go push. Yeah. So for those of you playing Apex and those who played the new season five, there's the new area that replaced waste or what wetlands it's the rig and in the middle of the rig there's the new charge stations um so one strategy that we've been taking is at the charge station what it does is it gives you your ultimate ability automatically are you it's within like what five seconds or something like that yeah you just gotta it's be in the quick. ring it's of actually, the thing or whatever it is it's actually really quick activate it's it. very yep. effective i really like the charge station now they're low-key within an addition to the game that i haven't heard anyone talk about but they're low-key a great addition to the game i think so too man because like addition. all three of us we play it smart we all have our ultimates right there and then like yeah. we've been playing bloodhound now he mm -hmm. had now he can just go crazy mm -hmm. we, you you're crypto recently you can just send your drone out and let us go crazy mm -hmm. you can, so that's you know, the that's the big thing the you know the strategy is is you land at the rig and at the charge station and loba if you're able to take that top circle because there's only there's three zip lines that come up to it but if you're able to take it and fend off the defenders that are landing there first kill them or get them out of there you're able to choose a charge station for loba and grab the top notch guns grab the blue and purple shields off the rip that people haven't gotten yet because they haven't even looted 
with yep. with Loba. And so at the top, you got a gun. You can get an R99 and a blue shield real easily nine out of ten times with using that strategy. And then your squad's up at top. Okay, sure, you're a little bit of low on ammo. Everyone's kind of low on shield, low on guns at the start, so you're really not out of the mix. But this gives you that slight advantage of having an R99 over a Mozambique and having and blue you could be shield. taking guns for, right from under people. Yep. Like yep. We, they could be running up on that R99, and it's just it's it teleports away from them. Now they Huge. don't have it. Plus, uh, usually when people land, uh, one thing that is different with this landing for, for us than other landings is we're all three with each other off landing mm -hmm. with guns with shield ready to go wherever uh, like where as we land other places we land in separate buildings we land apart from each other so yeah. if we do get pushed by somebody then we all then the other two have to be rushing their butts over to go help the one guy mm -hmm. but here we're all together and we're pushing those people that are by themselves just looting real quick mm -hmm. yeah i mean that that strategy right there alone has done us I mean, just in what the last three days that it's been there, it's done us wonders. I mean, we win most most gunfights coming out of the rig off the rip mm -hmm. when people mm -hmm. land with us, you know. So, I mean, we're so we're gonna talk about um, season five in uh, episode nine, the next podcast coming out. Um, since we talked about you know movies, so we're gonna get back into the gaming world. Um, like I said, specifically season five, really going to dig into season five, not just cover like the broad strokes of being Loba and the map changes. We're really going to dig into Loba, how her meta is going to be coming out, how people develop the meta. Cause this is something that we still haven't even found out yet. It's been three days that, um, that season five We're has been out. You're still learning the map. One thing, um, we, you know, we, they took out wetlands, which is kind of where Chuck and I and wherever who we were playing with, that's our main landing spot was wetlands. So, um, I mean, I prefer, I like landing on that side, Chuck. Um, what about you? I mean, like rigs, just a hot spot because in where wetlands was, I forget what it is now. I think it's like compulsory or something. Oh, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem, the problem with landing there is if you land down below, there's places people can land up above you mm -hmm. and they just have instant height. And I hate that. Mm -hmm. I absolutely hate going down in there and uh, just everywhere else is just height over you. Mm -hmm. So you're just at a disadvantage regardless. Uh, but off of a, uh, what, what's the place above wetlands that you want to land sometimes? Rig. It's got the waterfall. Waterfall. It's it's right. It didn't get taken out. Rig got put next to it. Relay, relay. Yes, relay is still there. Oh and, yeah, there's uh, like three or four buildings. Yes. So those are little. Those are still there, and rig is off to the right of the relay. Mm -hmm. So, I the only problem with landing there is it's in the top right corner of the map, and we're mm -hmm. usually getting pushed down to the fucking bottom left corner of the map. Yep. The circle. Mm -hmm. That's the only disadvantage to landing there, unless you get circle. If you get circle, you're fine. Yeah. But so far, that's been my favorite place to land. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, we'll get into it. I want to talk a little bit real quick before we wrap things up. Um, Mirage's buff was another huge thing. Um, like I said, we'll take next uh, episode nine and dig more into detail. We can talk all about the patch notes, everyone that got buffed, everyone got nerfed. 
everything that's going on in season five we'll have more out in a week here um for sure for sure especially on like these quests that are starting as well um mm-hmm. we'll get into them but let me give you your, let's get out. your let's get your thoughts on mirage buff and we'll wrap it up here so i mean it's he's a playable character now let me tell you that uh the biggest part to it is just being cloaked while you're healing somebody that's mm-hmm. like one of the biggest by like, the way if you're mirage aspect. you get cloaked when you're bringing someone back on one of the totem or the whatever oh, the towers the bring back stations or whatever yeah the revive stations you go invisible i didn't know that part either i saw so that's it today nice. yeah some mirage brought me back when i got poopied on that's nice so that's that's his team aspect but mm-hmm. being able to control and have the mirages mimic your movements it's it's crazy to watch because there's like eight of them he sends mm-hmm. out his all. He sends out his decoy, and he controls all of them. And you, which one is him? It's absolutely mm-hmm. boggling if you know if somebody knows how to play him. Like sometimes there's that guy that will pop it, and he'll be the only one running in a certain direction. Yeah, stupid. yeah. So you know it's him. You know, uh-huh. but like if you know how to play it, you can get some crazy shit done with him now. Yeah. Like I was playing him for a little bit, and it was deking you out, dude. The first day. I got bamboozled at least three times. I haven't been bamboozled the last two day. Today I haven't been bamboozled when we played, but yesterday, yeah, was it yesterday? I was like, I was like playing with Shrek. We were playing a duo, and I'm running out in the middle of the open of like the desert area. I got no cover. I'm running behind Chuck's decoy, and then I realized it when Chuck ran behind me. I was like, Jesus, man, I just about, I literally could have just got lasered because I'm running after your decoy right now. And you bamboozled me and I'm on your team. And it says decoy over his name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. It was just, you just went off running right behind my decoy. And I was like, what are you doing? And then you were like, Uh, I'm calling your decoy, man. It got me. (laughs) (laughs) I got bamboozled. I got bamboozled. All right. He's nice. So, that, I think I think I'm gonna leave it on a cliffhanger here. We're the rest of season five. Everything that you're gonna need to know, we're gonna bring to you next week on the podcast. We're gonna dig into uh, the patch notes. It's gonna be a big one. I think next week um, we're not gonna have any guests. I think it's I believe um, Chuck and I. We don't have anyone lined up, so we're just gonna have Chuck and I on. And we're going to dig deep, deep into the patch notes of what season five has for us already brought and has for us coming in the future um, in regards to updates, storyline to come, how the meta is working with Loba, the map changes and every all of the good stuff that you guys want to hear. So be sure to tune in um, sometime next week. We'll be getting the podcast out for episode nine. Um, before we go, though, Chuck, where can we find you? You can find me at Huncho Chuck on all platforms. All platforms. And you can find me at PRPLXFox on all platforms Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and now officially TikTok. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. <laughs> uh, TikTok's fun, man. TikTok's fun. I mean, I don't know how to do any cool stuff, but I, like. I mean, I'm able to make, like, the videos where it's, like, you kind of do it on Instagram and you put them on your story. But, like, TikTok makes it, like, pretty – it's, like, really easy to make the videos on TikTok. So 
And I like that you can like sync up songs to your videos. They try to do it automatically. Sometimes they're pretty bad because like, yeah, obviously like I'm playing shooter games, so like I want it to sync up to my kills, and then they don't sync up to my kills. So sometimes I have to edit it myself. But usually it's pretty good, and then you can like play the cool songs to it. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Makes things pretty easy. And then I can just take the clips and save them on my phone. And I put them right on Instagram. There's my Instagram picture, and then I put it on Twitter. And there's my my Twitter. Uh, a video for my Twitter feed, you know, like it's it's pretty convenient. It makes, I think, like I was it's kind of against it because I was like, oh, I'm kind of too old for TikTok, you know, or I wouldn't, I just wasn't into it, and like I'm into it now, man. I sit on TikTok a lot. Good, good. I mean, as long as you're passionate about it, as long as you like it, go for it, man. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. I'll give you shit for it, but go for it. <laughs> That's fun. I'll eat the shit. <laughs> Big dog gotta eat, baby. All right. All right. All right. right. Well, thank you all for listening today. I hope you guys enjoyed talking a little bit about movies. I actually was just talking to Reeves here on my phone while we were ending it. Um, We're definitely going to have Reeves back on to discuss more movies. I I thoroughly enjoyed this evening. I I enjoyed our conversations and talk. And I think – um, I I think that you guys will enjoy it as well. And and going into the future, give us suggestions. Um, in the Discord, those here we have the podcast suggestion channel in the Discord. Be sure to um put them there about what kind of movies you guys are interested in. What are your top three movies? Um, maybe we can bring them into the podcast next time we get um uh, Mr. Brian Reeves on to discuss shows and movies and film and everything else that's good in between with that. So have a wonderful, wonderful day, evening, wherever you are. Stay safe and stay home.